And welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton. And in today's episode, we have an awesome interview with one of my favorite pitching prospects in the game right now. It's Tanner Bybee, right-handed pitching prospect with the Cleveland Guardians. Incredibly underrated. We've got him on our top 100 list, and deservedly so. He had a fantastic season. And when you hear from him in this episode, you can really understand why he was able to make such a big leap, a fifth round pick out of Cal State Fullerton back in the 2021 draft. Big jump in velo, the stuff ticked up, the command is fantastic, and he's just got the work ethic, he's got the mindset, and he's got the just pitch ability, both mentally and physically, to be able to do what he does. And it's really easy to understand how he was able to make that leap, not only straight to high A, but then into double A, as we talk about in this episode, and continue to get better. I mean, his numbers in double A were up there with just about any pitcher in the upper levels with a pretty good sample size, more than 70 innings. And I get into all the statistics and all the little things as well. Uh, and it was really awesome just hearing Tanner Bybee break down, you know, what worked for him and how he was able to continue his progression and continue to get better. Uh, another thing to look out for, the link is in the description. We did go on to StreamYard and do a live video breakdown of some of my favorite sequences from him in one of his best starts of the year. Videos a tad laggy, but we were still able to get a lot done. It was a lot of fun. And I mean, his insight on, you know, what sequence, why he went to the curveball in the 1-0 pitch, why he went to his right on right changeup, all of those little things were really insightful and really cool. He is a very, very smart pitcher. You'll learn that from this interview here, and you'll also learn that from the StreamYard breakdown that we have on our YouTube that is linked in this podcast description as well. Vibe's a name to watch 100% heading into next year. I think he's got a shot to debut at some point next season. Yes, the Guardians have a litany of arms, but Vibe seems to be one that is climbing quickly and has the balance of a pretty exciting ceiling and a really solid floor as a starting pitcher at the highest level. I really do expect big things for Bybee going into next year. And after you listen to this, you will definitely be rooting for him because you can tell he is an awesome dude as well. Real quick before I cut to the interview with Tanner Bybee, a ton of really exciting moves. Of course, we had the 40-man deadline, so a lot to talk about there. We also had some trades, some good prospects heading over to other teams and and a lot of different things to go over. So that'll be out in the episode that's going to come out hours after this one. So if you're listening to this, odds are there is already that 40 man and trade breakdown episode out as well. So be sure to check that out if you're interested in that. Also, without further delay, here is the interview with Tanner Bybee. And here is Tanner Bybee, right handed pitching prospect in the Cleveland Guardians organization. Tanner, thank you so much for taking the time, man. And, and congratulations on an absolutely dominant season this year. Yeah, thank you, man. Of course. It was- I'm excited for this podcast. I'm excited like watching you guys like listen to you guys on TikTok and stuff. So Dude, it's 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 been a, a whirlwind on our end. And, and to start to hear from players, I appreciated you reaching out to us. And uh 
we had you on the top 100 list. I don't know if you saw that prior to, to when you reached out. Cause it was like right around a day or two apart where uh, really? you, were, you were kind enough to reach out and send us a message. I was like, Oh, I wonder if he saw that he was on our top 100 prospect list because we had you well inside of it. I put a lot of time into it every year. Um, watch as much video as possible, analyze as much data as possible. And, it's pretty hard to to deny what what you did this year and what you have arsenal wise and just everything that you have going for you on the bump. Uh, we're going to unpack a lot of that, but I kind of want to just start with what worked for you this year. I mean, you were able to do so many impressive things. You start in high A, you finish in double A, you got better as the year went on a one eight three ERA in 73 and two thirds innings in double A. Uh, what really clicked for you this season? Um, I think just, figuring out how to move with my body. I think having to like kind of hone in pitch profiles, like whether it's like separating breaking balls, making my fastball ride a little more. I think all that was kind of, since I got drafted in 2021, they didn't send us out. Most of us out and do anything. So we just stayed in Arizona the entire rest of the year. And I kind of stayed there for most of the off season. And then once I kind of hit the year and I kind of all started kind of clicking together after doing it for so long, kind of like really trying to pinpoint those like, weaknesses at least in mine from college and stuff i think it really just kind of helped me kind of push away and kind of get comfortable get on a roll and kind of really like find my stride and i mean what really stands out to me with, with what you were able to do this year is, is the strikeouts to walk so you talk about learning your body and, and just the moves and, and being able to repeat your mechanics 167 strikeouts and 27 walks and 132 and two-thirds innings is that something that's always been a part of your game? So you look at what you did at, at Cal State Fullerton, you put up great numbers there. You didn't walk a ton of guys there either, but the strikeout bump is is something that, you know, is is just very eye-opening. The stuff ticked up as well uh, as, as it does for so many guys. But can you talk to, to that point a little bit of, you know, how the stuff ticked up for you and how were you able to maintain that command and, and really be able to leverage that into a ton more strikeouts, without coming at the expense of your fantastic command. Yeah. So me, I hate walking people and like not walking people has been like a very important thing for me. Cause like usually me and like my teammates this last year have always joked about it. It's like you can give up hits or you can walk people. Like you can't really do both. So it's like, and I'd rather like make them beat me than like beat myself. Cause that's like when I really get pissed off is when I start walking a ton of people and then it ends up like imploding. And, but I think, I think me not walking people me throwing strikes and me having kind of that, that kind of like skill, I think really helped me with my stuff kind of just trusting that it's going to be around the zone. And when I, when my stuff ticked up, I think that it just kind of helped everything else. So how did that stuff tick up? Was it, was it the weight room? Was it efficiency of the mechanics? Was it a little bit of everything? Because at least as far as I was able to monitor, it seemed like your, your, your velo went up at least three miles per hour this season on the fastball. Is that about right? That's what I had in the write-up uh, on our top 100 list there. And I mean, right. you, you touched 99 this year, uh, which, you know, is pretty impressive given that you used to operate more in the low nineties. Right. And uh, so how are you able to get that, that big time bump in your, in your velo? Uh, and what would you say, you, you know, you could kind of attribute that to. I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, I think in the weight room, it was training a lot of like speed stuff, like whether it's like, like speed squat, like speed deadlift, whatever it is, like jumps. Um, I think cleaning up my mechanics was huge, whether it was a profile or just moving, moving more efficiently. Um, I think cleaning up my, my mechanics kind of helped my, 
arm getting like not as sore, not as like the next day I kind of recovered a lot better. Um, and I think that all those things kind of mixed together along with like good coaching and good, uh, like scouting reports and stuff like that, I think really just like made it easy for me to keep ticking up and keep doing all this stuff. Cause I think that when I was kind of dealing with a lot of stuff, whether it's like my stuff's not great, um, like scouting reports aren't great. I think that like when you have the resources and like you can have access to all of them and they're all really solid. I think it's really helped really easy on the mind. It's a lot easier to focus on recovery on the body stuff like that and competing. So I think those, I think it's a little bit of everything, honestly. Talk about the resources. I mean, it's no secret that the guardians do a fantastic job at, at developing pitching talent. And, and you're the latest example of someone who, you know, it's not like you were a late round pick, but fifth round for what you just did. We do a redraft. I don't think a lot of teams are letting you slide to the fifth round based on what you just showed in the upper minors. Right. So what can you speak to on the Guardians side? And I know it's a little bit of you know, what you just said, but Landing in this organization, being able to take your game to the next level. And I'm sure you you'll say that you always saw that this was in you. And I think the Guardians would say that they saw this in you. And that's why they took you in the fifth round. Uh, But what in this organization? I know you haven't been in another org, so it's hard to compare. But just as far as you've been able to kind of just soak in uh, in your one year, really, so far as an active player in the org, what can you really attest to, to the organization's ability to just develop arms and continue to get the most out of their pitching talent? I mean, just from hearing other stories about other orgs, I think it's very apparent that like the guardians are super good at what they do. They really care about the development. They really care about, they obviously do care about winning, but their, their main goal is obviously for the big league club to win a world series. And I think that's uh and that starts from like the lower levels all the way up and it goes all the way up the chain. I think that I think everyone there, whether it's like the spring training complex, whether it's all the affiliates, I think that all of them are so bought into that one goal and kind of developing like everyone and kind of it's really like player led where, whether it's like they want to attack, like the players want to attack this, they're like, okay, let's, let's dig into this. Let's see what they need to do. And I think that, all that and like kind of like the everyone buying into that one goal i think it's really easy to like healthily compete and i think it's really easy to like really develop and because everyone's on the same page and how about just being surrounded by the amount of of talented pitchers whether you know it's in big league spring training with with some of the big league guys that they have which there are so many really good pitchers at that level but also littered throughout the system a lot of talented guys as well i always like to ask because i'm just out in the arizona fall league and i'm seeing a bunch of different players from different organizations hanging out, you know, during batting practice, bouncing things off of each other, talking, hitting. Uh, when you're in an organization with a lot of other pitchers who I'm sure you respect and appreciate their craft and their ability, how, how much do you guys just talk about pitching and talk, talk shop with some of the guys around you? Because, I mean, your rotation alone in Akron was extremely talented. Yeah, I mean, even even in Lake County, uh, Lake County and Akron, it was like every day you're seeing someone that's like, really good throw every single day. And I think all coming from like the same kind of background, like most of us were a lot of like college, college pitchers other than like Cantillo, Joey Cantillo. I think he was probably the only one that I played with that wasn't a college, a college arm. So we kind of all have the same thought process, but I mean, coming from where I went to Fullerton in the big West. I mean, there's a very different kind of pitching and different kind of style of thoughts and processes through sec through, um, 
like the Sun Belt, all those kind of like teams and like all those different conferences and like the, the, the way people have learned and the way like skills and because everyone has their own unique skills. And I think that all those different thought processes and what everyone's trying to get to, I think it's really, it's really cool because everyone has their own stuff and everyone's super, super cool and everyone wants each other to do well. And it's been really helpful. So you come from the Big West Conference, Cal State Fullerton, which is a pipeline for for big league talent. And if I think most people know that at this point, but if you don't, you know, some examples on, on the offensive side, and these are active players. You got Justin Turner, Kurt Suzuki, Matt Chapman, Chris Davis, Michael Lorenzen, obviously on, on both sides, since he wanted to be a two-way, he's more of a pitcher. Uh, you got Dylan Floro as well, and, and several others. I mean, this is a very, very, very good program, uh, and as are a lot in both that conference and on the West Coast. What can you speak to in your experience at Cal State Fullerton, you know, just being able to develop there and uh, I guess maybe the pedigree of of just the talent that has continued to come out there. Was that one of your very obvious first options in your recruiting process? Did you not end up thinking you'd, you'd you know, thrive as much there as you did? You know, what, what was your process to getting there? And then what can you speak to of, you know, what you got out of your time at Cal State? Yeah, so me and my parents always, um, always went to Cal State Fullerton games. I would always go to like, uh, whether it's like regular season, postseason games, we always went there because it was pretty close to, to my house. And it was always really good baseball. And I always kind of really wanted to go there. Um, when I ended up going, when I ended up being there, like the players there were amazing. They were like, it really forms a brotherhood and it really shows that how much, like why the culture has been so good for so long there. And because the culture has carried on from the seventies when it kind of all started to now. Um, and I think the coach there now, Jason Dietrich is the absolute man. he, uh, he recruited me to Fullerton and he coached Gavin Williams at ECU. And he is like the absolute man. And he is like one, like he's never actually coached me, but I've only heard good things. And he was one of the big reasons why I went to Cal State Fullerton. And I think me going through Fullerton and kind of maturing and developing through them was very needed for me to get where I am now. So you, you go through those three and a half seasons there, right? Because 2020, you only make four starts due to the uh, COVID canceled season. Your freshman year, you made seven starts, 19 appearances. So a little bit of both, but saw a lot of action. How important was it to get that that opportunity your freshman year uh, to really be able to get out there and, and throw 56 innings? You do build on that too in that sophomore year, getting more innings under your belt, but a lot more responsibility. And then all that to you know just get to your senior year where you pitch your way into being a top five round pick. Uh, what was that progression like as a freshman all the way to a, to a senior, I guess, or red shirt, junior, however you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was really different. I mean, cause all throughout high school, I mean, I was the pretty much a start of the entire time I would say, and getting to Florida I kind of started off as the, the, like the number three, the Sunday guy, and then getting bumped out of the role and kind of being Tuesday bullpen guy. And then by the end of the year, um, because one of our guys got hurt, I was the Sunday guy at the end of the year. And I think, that freshman year was super important to kind of get a taste for the rest of the rest of the time and what was kind of expected. And um, the whole time, I think I developed my routines, developed mental mentally um, throughout each, each year, because each year was so different. Um, had a, like a lot of carousel of coaches, whether it was pitching side, hitting side, but I think it was really needed because all the players kind of needed to come together and they needed to, develop their own routines and some swam and some sank, but it's, um, that's like, that's baseball. And I 
thank God that I swam. <laughs> yeah, as I say, you did swim. And do you think that played a part in your smooth transition into professional baseball? Because when I have guys on, a lot of guys have talked about how you go from, and of course, teams are going to help and work with you, but it's a little different when you get to, to pro ball versus college. You're a little bit more on your own. Developing that routine and everything, was that something that you think helped you make that smooth transition to your first full year in, in pro baseball? Yeah, I think 100%. I think because the Guardians are so like player-led, like they want you to figure out what you need to work on. I think that throughout Fullerton, like we needed to do the same thing. Like we were trying to figure out like, okay, how do we get better? Like how do we win games? And I think the same thing with um with the Guardians. Like their the Guardians are obviously have way more tech, they're way more advanced. But I think me developing the, those routines were like crucial to me, like kind of doing what I am now. And can you walk us through a little bit of, of your routine uh, on a pitching day? You know, what, what, what are you doing? Because what, what really stands out to me, and I want to dive in a little bit more specifically on how you made that leap from high A to double A, uh, because it floors me on how the numbers just continue to get better. But routine wise, did you stick with that same routine all the way through the season? And can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what goes into the Tanner Bybee preparation on a start day? So pretty much, I mean, I think my routine stayed pretty similar. I mean, on the start day, I mean, I'm waking up. Um, I don't like doing energy drinks because I'd go way too jittery. Um, I usually do more coffee. I'll go to some local coffee shop, get some coffee. I'll show up to the field um, pretty early probably than other guys. I just don't like being like by myself in the apartment. I get kind of bored. So I'll just show up and just sit in the locker room, um, hang out with the guys, um, until a couple hours before the game, I'll start suiting up. I'll start getting the stretch in, um, whether it's with the athletic trainer or just by myself in the weight room. And then I'll eventually I'll have the meeting with um, whoever's catching that day and our pitching coach about the other team, go through the scouting report. And then I'll go out, go out uh, do a dynamic stretch, go through bands, plyo balls, play catch to the pen and then to the game. So, so you're not the, uh, loner pitcher the day that you're ready to go. Like you're, you're okay talking to people and stuff like that. I know I've heard a lot of stories about pitchers that tend to just stick to themselves on, on that fifth day. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, well, I, like uh, my, our mental coach at Fullerton, his name's Brian Kane. He always talked about like the funnel of focus and like when it gets close, like the funnels like this and like, I'm not super focused like early in the day. Like as it gets closer and closer and closer, like I get more and more focused. I'm not really like the guy who's like, don't talk to me. I don't want, I don't want yeah. people, you to talk to me, but um, I, I usually do get pretty like more focused and less like talkative, but yeah. So I want to hit on that high A to double A transition. And we're going to go on, on StreamYard on YouTube as a lot of the listeners to the podcast know uh, that's usually something they look out for after these interviews. Cause it's, it's a lot of fun and I'm excited to break down your specific arsenal and how that was able to help you get to the numbers that you put up. But high A to double A is a huge jump. I always talk about it from a hitter's perspective because it is really hard for hitters to make that leap as pitchers like yourself are just waiting and double A ready to carve up. And it's still for hitters or for pitchers, excuse me, Extremely tough as well, because you got a lot of hitters, a lot of really talented guys that are either in their second year there or just hit their way through high A. Uh, how were you able to get even better at the upper levels there? Right. I mean, to make that jump from high A to double A and again, to remind the listeners of, of the numbers here, two, five, nine ERA and high A. And you go to a one, eight, three ERA 
in double A in more innings. Also, your whip cuts down by point almost point two, right? You are a 1.06 whip. You go to 0.88 whip at the double A level. What was really working for you to be able to kind of take your game to that next level at the next level? Yeah, I think, I mean, in high, I kind of gotten on like a little roll, I think getting like my first taste of pro ball, obviously. Um, I think staying like very level mentally, I think really helped me like not get too up, not get too down. And when I got to double a, um, I, I mean, obviously there are some butterflies, but when I had, when I had like my first couple starts were pretty solid, I kind of, kind of got in that same role, kind of got in the same routine. And it was kind of nice just to like be just kind of as a very seamless transition. I mean, obviously credit to the guardians for helping me do that, but it was just a very easy transition, whether it was pitching coaches, catchers, um, other pitchers. So. So from your perspective, because when, when I was writing up again, and you're, this is a fun opportunity where, you know, I'm able to kind of, quiz the player himself on, on the write-up and see where I might've been on, or maybe a little bit off uh, on the assessment yeah. of your arsenal. Yeah. We'll get into a, a little bit more on, on the, uh, on the stream yard. But for me, what, what really stood out I and mean, the, the highest rated pitch that I had for you was that was the fastball because the way you were able to command it, the life on it, you know, in the mid nineties with just the ride, you got a lot of swing and miss on it. The command obviously helped that play up, but then I had a really hard time picking from your, your secondary offerings. I thought all of them were really, really good slider above average, comfortably change up. You were able to carve guys up with that. I thought you dominated guys with the change up as well as any pitch. You look at the whiff rates. I mean, it was, it was there, but you use the slider the most, which pitch would you say is your best out pitch? And, you know, can you add a little bit more to maybe why that is? It's honestly hard because I've always been a guy who who like spun the ball all the time. Mm-hmm. And like this, I think it was like my senior year, my last year at Fullerton, um, I kind of started getting a change up a little bit. And it's still kind of like a new-ish pitch for me. Really? Yeah. Like my, I never threw a change up ever, like throughout high school until I started. When I went to Cape Cod after my sophomore year is when I kind of started finally throwing it. But then I didn't really get a chance to throw it in 2020. Um, and 2021 was kind of the first year I kind of did it and doing it now. It's like, like I've always thrown my slider and it's some like super comfortable with my slider. My changeup did work really well. Like, honestly, I think it just depends on the, I have enough, I have enough confidence, both those pitches to throw them like in the zone. And I think it just depends on the hitter. Honestly, (laughs) like you know how many pitchers are, are listening to that and they're just like, so annoyed. Probably, I've talked to yeah, so I'm many guys like saying that, but <laughs> no, I mean, it's the truth, right? I mean, like, like yeah. so many guys are working so hard to find the change of grip that works for them and then try to find, you know, a way to just have a feel for it. Right. How yeah. often do we see guys just that's if he develops a change up, then he can be this, right. That's always yeah. the biggest. If not only did you have that change up that you were very comfortable with, you threw it about 15% of the time, but do you know what opponents had OPS wise? Like what they OPS against your changeup this year? Any ballpark idea? I have no idea. 426. Opponents were 11 for 63 against your changeup this year. So just the reason why I'm mentioning that is, is that's a pitch you use about 14% of the time. But again, you have a really even split across your secondary stuff. You go to the slider, roughly 20%, the curveball around 12% of the time, and then the fastball around 50 
Is the change of a pitch that if it's relatively new that you could see maybe developing into an even better pitch than once you start to get to tinker with it a little bit more since you already have so much comfort with it? Or do you kind of like it as is? Like, are you going to play around with that pitch at all and see if you can, you know, maybe manipulate it even more? Or do you like where it's at right now? I mean, I hope it gets better. <laughs> but I mean, I'm going to see uh, see what I can do. I honestly, since the changeup is so new, I don't really know like what particularly to do with it. So I'm going to like, when I go back to Arizona, whether it's like spring training or whatever, I'm going to try to figure some stuff out. And if there's some stuff that can make it better, sweet. And if it stays the same, I'm just going to need to put it in the zone just as much as I did last year. So, so would you just say it's just, just a natural thing that just rolled out of your hand pretty easily through a first strike 68% of the time. Like that just, that just kind of came easily for you. Like did it ever click Did something happen? Like, or just, you tried it and it worked. Uh, well, I mean, my last year at Fullerton, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad pitch. I did throw it in the zone a decent amount. Um, I think just like throughout the whole time I've been with the Guardians now, I think I've been trying to make it like better. Um, I saw this video on Twitter of uh, I think it was pitching ninja. I think it was Trevor Hoffman, and he would like put a ton of pressure on his thumb to try like get like that rollover like that. So like I try to hold it really soft, and I try to put a bunch of pressure on my thumb so it like rolls over. And at that point, it's just like I'm trying not to like almost like hit a righty batter with it. I'm just trying to throw it down the middle and, and like, let it do its, do what it's going to do. I'm excited to get into that, you know, again, on, <laughs> on, on, on the live stream, because I, I want to talk in depth about, yeah. you know, kind of what you're trying to do with each, each of those pitches. But you know, one last thing to kind of circle back before we wrap up and, and go over to this, to the live stream for kids that are listening. Uh, and I know I even have some, I've, I've had some DMS from dads that listen that, you know, we're like, Oh, I, I appreciate this and that I try to tell my son this or this interview because my son came away with this from that. What would you tell? Because this is something I, I was a guy that dealt with a lot of shoulder issues, right. And they kind of ruined baseball for me at the end, labrum surgery just made it really difficult. And you have this endless pursuit of velocity and obviously more velocity equals generally speaking more outs, but above all is command. Everybody wants to throw harder, but there's a lot of ways that you need to go about it to prevent injury and all of those things. What would you tell a freshman in high school that is, you know, hoping to gain some velocity about the best way to go about it? And, you know, what would be your advice to a freshman in high school that is looking to gain velocity on the bump? There's a couple things. Um, I mean, obviously I didn't start throwing hard until I was pretty much 23 years old right now. So um, I think our coaches at Fullerton always said that like the best ability is availability. So obviously staying healthy. Um, I think that doing like doing your post work is just as important as warming up and doing that kind of stuff. Like if you're going high intent on a mound, like you need to be doing stuff after so your body can help prepare itself. Um, I think that was one of the things that I tried to really stay on top of this year is really doing a lot of post stuff and like kind of developing, like I said, developing the routine to get there. Um, and obviously hydrating and sleeping. I mean, it makes way more of a difference than you would think. Um, I think those three things like hydrate, sleep, and like getting your recovery work in and finding out what works for you, I think is like, and letting, letting your training kind of come to the surface when you're in the game. So you don't have to think about anything else. I think if your training is good, you can hydrate, you can sleep and you get your, the correct recovery work in for you, whether it's like strength after, or whether it's like loosening up your shoulder, whatever it is, 
I think those are the kind of the main things to help you out. I love it. I love it. And the last question I'll ask is, you know, after such a fantastic season and, you know, a chance to to push your way towards the big leagues next year, right. With a, a good deal of success and double under your belt and, you know, potentially either going straight to triple or into triple early next year. What's, what's your big focus? You know, I know you probably want to take it one day at a time. That's usually the answer I yeah. get, but what's <laughs> your focus as a pitcher to continue to build on what you were able to do last year? Uh, I think just my goals last year, I think keep doing them. I mean, obviously filling up the zone is a really important thing, especially when you start getting in triple and the majors with like the different balls and stuff. But I think, the goals that I had last year, I mean, I don't think I like really like perfected them yet. They're not necessarily like supernatural to me yet. So I think that if I can keep doing what I'm doing with that and kind of working towards what I need to do with those goals, I think it's gonna, it's gonna really help me. And I think those are the main things I've, I've wanted to keep working on. Can you speak to some of those goals? Uh, the fastball ride, um, yeah. separating the two breaking balls. Um, so they don't blend were kind of the two things and just saying, doing all I can to stay healthy. And and what's the best way? Is that something that you're going throwing pens with like the rap Soto feedback and just continuing to tinker? Like how do you continue to find that fastball ride and separate the curveballs or separate the breaking balls? Excuse me. Like, how is that something that you can actively continue to work on? It's, it took a really long time. The separating the curveball and slider um, obviously is still a work in progress. Um, the fastball ride was very mechanical um, from Coming in, I knew my fastball ride wasn't great. And from start, I think, start two of the year this year, when I was in high, my pitching coach found something that was little and kind of helped me with that. And then when I got into double A, kind of the communication was good with between the pitching coaches and the org and me. And it was just kept working on to get the ride keep going. And by the end of the year, it was a lot better than the beginning. And that's all you can really ask for. So. I mean, that's for sure. And that probably played a little bit of a part in that double A dominance as well. We're going to take a look at some of that double A dominance now in a few minutes and hop over to that live stream. The YouTube video will already be out by the time people are listening to this. So I'll have that link in the description and you can go check that out on YouTube as well. Tanner, talk to you in a few minutes. We'll uh, we'll go show some video and, and go break it down. Thanks so much for taking the time, man. It was so awesome talking to you. Congratulations on a phenomenal season and excited to see you follow that up in 2023. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much.